Had a few people ask this morning, hey, I noticed on the front of the handout that you are not in Colossians. Are you chickening out? Well, if you have been following along with us and you know exactly where we are in Colossians and you know that next up has to do with husbands and wives and children and parents and slaves and masters. And the answer is, no, I'm not chickening out. I just need more time. And so uh, this morning, especially in light of our annual meeting that takes place afterwards, I'm making a little bit of a shift because I think this will be important for us to, to hear a few things that are related to a very important topic that leads us kind of into this meeting. I mentioned earlier that you know, we're, we've got the Sons of Jubal thing that's coming right up, and I really appreciate all those who are, are doing so much to get ready for this. But I've noticed this year is, is very similar to last year in one respect. It's evaporating really quickly. This is the last Sunday in January, and it seems like January just got started. And so what we saw last year, because I know many of you were uh, uh, in and amongst us last year, what we saw last year is from January to December, it just seemed like it, it went away so, so quickly. And 2018 seems like it's following right in its footsteps. And so before long, we'll be putting Christmas decorations back up. It doesn't seem like that, but it is really, really moving along very, very quickly. And when it comes to the church calendar, excuse me, it would be very easy for us to fill up from January to December to fill up that calendar with all kinds of activities and all kinds of events and all kinds of stuff. And there's some really good things on our calendar for the year, but it'd be really easy to fill that up and to keep you busy from the start of the year to the end of the year. But we don't simply want to do that. What we want to do as a church and what we try to do as a staff and as elders and as ministry teams is to say, what is it that God is calling us to do? As a matter of fact, when we were doing our budgeting and we will be voting on our budget in the annual meeting, when we're doing our budgeting, here's what we ask our ministry teams to do. We ask them to not to look back and see what you've done in the previous year, but to plan. What is it that you hope to accomplish? What are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish for the coming year that is consistent with our mission and our vision as a church and then plan your budget around accomplishing those things in order in other words we want to do things that matter not just do things and you know what that's that's true for our church it should be true for your life as well when you look at your life when you look at your schedule when you look at your calendar are you doing things that matter or are you simply doing things well in order to help us figure out whether we're doing things that matter or not we want to hold up our calendar we want to hold up our plans and we want to look at them in light of our mission and vision and strategy as a church and we want to put our energy and attention and focus on those things that help us accomplish that mission vision and fulfill our strategies and so i thought it would be good this morning in light of the annual meeting coming up, in light of the vote on our budget coming up, in light of the vote on our, our, our church leaders that we just had, in light of getting started in this year, to look back at our mission and our vision and what our strategy is as a church. And so let's do that. Um, go ahead and put that slide up that has our mission. Our mission, here it is. And why don't we just read this together? 
Our mission, Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, if anybody asks you, hey, what do you do at Grace? This is the big thing. This is the big rock. This is our mission. This is how we see fulfilling the Great Commission in this local church, that we want to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we flesh out that, that mission, and we ask ourselves, when we envision the people who are a part of Grace Fellowship, what does that look like? How do we envision that? And so our vision statement is this, and here it is in front of you. Go ahead and switch it over to the vision statement. Have we got that up there? Okay, here's our vision as a church. And it says, Grace Fellowship is a community of believers where each person believes in Jesus Christ and has a growing faith. So what we're saying is, in order to live out our mission, then what we want to see within the life of this church are people who have a a belief in Jesus Christ. That is, they've come to that point in their lives where they've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but that belief continues to grow. That is, it's not over. It's, it's not, hey man, I've, I've got my name on the roll book in heaven and now I can put it in cruise control for the rest of my life. Not at all. We want to see that faith grow. Secondly, what we say is that we want each person to belong to a small group where Christian relationships can develop and grow. In other words, we think small groups are a means, an important means, and a vital means towards life transformation. That you actually are connected in a group where you will not only learn God's word, which is important, learn how to apply it, which is important, but it puts you in a group where there is accountability, where there is encouragement, where there is challenging, and where you have an opportunity, don't miss this, where you have an opportunity to help others grow. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he starts out with a simple sentence. It's not about you. And so many times we think our Christian relationship is about me and God, and that's it. But it's not. He's put you in a fellowship, not only grow you, but that you can help others grow. And then the third statement says, becomes more like Jesus daily. And I'm sorry, that spilled off the screen for some reason. And it says, becomes more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. Becomes more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. If we were a factory and we had an assembly line, at the end of that assembly line, what we would want to see is people who are more like Jesus. We want to see that happening daily in your life. What a challenge that is for us to to step up and say, hey, listen, I want to be more like Jesus today in my attitude and action than I was yesterday. And we believe that happens through your faith, a growing faith in Jesus Christ, a connection in a small group and belonging to a church that encourages this kind of life change. All right, that's our mission and our vision. In 2016, we adopted a a strategic document that helped us figure out how, do we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? What are the key strategies that are important within the life of Grace Fellowship in order to help us accomplish our mission and our vision? And there's a, we've got kind of a graphic, and some of you have seen this, 
Uh, this is the graphic right here, and I, I'll try to explain it to you. Hopefully you can see that. It's not in your handout, but this is important because if you'll see in the center of that graphic, you see Believe, Belong, Become. That's kind of a, a summary picture of our mission and vision as a church. That's at the core. That's at the center. You'll see there's a yellow circle around that with some words in it. Let me tell you what those words are. Those words are worship, student ministry, ministry, and by that we mean service, uh, prayer, um, missions and evangelism, and small groups. And what those are are six strategies that when we look at the church and say, what are the six key strategies that we have a church need to accomplish on a regular basis, need to focus on on a daily basis, if we're going to fulfill our mission and vision, if we're going to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, connect them in a church, connect them in a small group, and let them become more like Jesus, what are the things that we're going to have to do? Now, there's certainly administrative things in there. Of course, we've got to do those things, but they all support. Those aren't strategies. That helps support the strategy. And so what you see here, if you can see this image, uh, what you see here is the the mission and vision in the center, those six key strategies around the outside. And then you'll notice between those, there's an arrow pointing both ways. Do you see that? An arrow pointing both ways. What we're saying here is that from our mission and vision, they feed our strategies, okay? Those Those strategies help fulfill that mission but they can't be operated without a connection back to that mission. We don't have a small group ministry, for instance, that acts in isolation from the other strategies or from our mission and vision. If we do, then what we've done, we might as well create an image that just shows silos. You know, we've got our our worship in one silo, and we've got our prayer in another silo, and we've got our small group ministry in another silo and on down the line. That's not what this image is. All six of these are important to help us fulfill our mission and vision. And you'll also see that outside of that, from that, there are arrows going out into kind of a map of the world. And what we're saying is, this is not about what we do in-house. This is about equipping us for making a difference in the world. When we get out of here, when we go outside these walls, when we go into our community, when we go into our schools, when we go into our places of work, when we go into the world, that we are driven by this mission and vision and we are still fulfilling these six strategies outside the walls of the church. And so I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to to, to get reacquainted with this. And honestly, I want you to get excited about it. Because this is who we are, and this is what we do. If this is all you had, this would be enough for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This should be empowering for you. It is not just a place to come and sit on Sundays. You're part of a church that has a mission, has a vision, and has a strategy in order to fulfill it. Now, each year, the elders and the staff come together and they determine, are there among those six strategies, all of which are important, are there any priorities that for this year or for a period of time, we believe we need to elevate? In other words, we need to kind of push those to the surface. That's not saying the others are unimportant, but we need to elevate those to the surface a little bit so because there's a particular need that should be addressed. 
And your elders have approved and your staff recommended your elders approve that for 2018 and 2019, for the next few months, 23 months, our focus, our priorities are going to be in two areas. They're both up here. Small group ministry and student. It says student ministry, but student and families because you can't do one without the other. Student and family ministry. You may want to write this down. You may want to circle those or whatever because you're going to be hearing more about those than you will about the others but we're not ignoring the others we just said these are so important that we need to address them and let me let me just take one here at the start and show you what i mean okay you have that graphic okay you you may not be able to see the numbers and things on here but this is looking at our membership actually our attendance uh for grace fellowship over the course of of time and it's divided up into age categories. So what you see there is you've got some lines that are pretty tall, right? Members and, and attenders, that's uh, what those two different colors are. You've got some lines that are pretty tall. Where, where, you see a dip in there? You see an area where if you were on the staff, you'd look at that and go, wow, I'm a little concerned about that. If you were the elders, you would look at that and go, you know what? That's a big drop. Well, this is what we're seeing. Where is the dip? Where is the gap? It's where you'd probably expect it. 19 to 35-year-olds. There's the gap. 19 to 35-year-olds. There's a huge dip. There's a missing group of people. Now, we may look at this and go, you know what? That's just normal. That's what happens. People get out of high school, they get out of college, they start their families, they're off doing what they do, and they drift away from church, and don't worry, pastor, they'll be back. They'll plug back in when they, when they start having kids, and their kids get up in high school, and they realize, we can't do this by ourselves. They'll come back. Not the way they used to. If you look at statistically and you look at age groups within the life of the church, what you will see is a steady decline from uh, that greatest generation back in World War II through boomers, and the line just keeps going down. Which means they may not come back. And that's what we're seeing all over the United States. Our young people in their 20s and their 30s, they aren't coming back when they're at the 40s. And the question we have to ask is, is this a big deal for us? And I believe it is. And as we've looked at our ministry and we've looked at our strategies, what we've said is we need to address this and and actually we started this morning uh beginning to address it in one area we started a a a new small group uh by parenting by grace you know grace-based parenting and uh, there were a number of people in there because we recognize that is not only a real need that people have it is a felt need that people have we have one young couple who came with their baby who's not you know what three months old thinking Hey, you're starting mighty early, but that's the best place to start. 
Okay, get in while it's early. Learn these principles. Learn how to help raise your child. Get them started early and keep it going all the way through. This is important. This is key. And what we're saying as a church is that we believe reaching students and families is important. Now, does that mean that we don't care about 40-year-olds and we don't care about 60-year-olds and we don't care about 80-year-olds? That's not what it means at all. We're still be having ministries that affects uh, intergenerationally the entire church. It's just that we need to be make sure that we keep on our radar student and family ministry. I've got another graph I want to show. This has to do with small groups. And uh, you may be able to see this a little bit better. This is our small group ministry. I, I, I kind of did this graph and it turned out okay. Uh, the top line you see, it goes out to about 300. It's actually 304. David may give us a new number in our membership report at our, our um, meeting, uh, at our annual meeting here that'll start at the end of the service. But that's about what we've got in the church. That's about what our membership is, 300, 304, somewhere in that range. If you look and see what our Sunday morning attendance is, that, that's going to be more like 220, okay? Adults and teenagers and things. About 220 on Sunday morning are here in this building. Then you look at our small group attendance. This includes what happens on Sunday morning and includes also what happens at other times during the week. Our small group attendance drops back uh, to about, uh, that's 157, I think is the number, 157. Now, we have a unique thing at Grace that a lot of churches don't have, and that is that we have Sunday morning small groups and we have small groups at other times. And some people are in a morning group and they're in an evening group. So we, we looked at the numbers and we tried not to give a, you know, lowball it to make it look bad. And so we actually looked, okay, if someone had been once, we didn't count them. But if someone had been a, a, a number of times, we, you know, over the course of a year, then we counted them. And what we saw, found is that the numbers somewhere between 100 and, 120 and 130 individuals, adults, teenagers, who are connected in a small group at some point during the week. Now you look at that, and first of all, I want to say, that's actually the improvement. There was a time when the numbers were like 80. So this, over the course of the last couple of years, this has actually increased, and that, that's good news. But there's a big difference between who are, the numbers who are here on Sunday morning. Well, 188 here right now, but uh, uh, we got a lot of people. This is, this is sixth season. So, uh, but 188 this morning. And I don't know what the number was in, in small group attendance this morning, but I'm sure it was down too simply because of the same thing. But looking overall, you know, there's a big, there's almost 100 people difference. And if what we've said is, not only in our strategic document, but also in our vision, that being connected in a small group is important, then we need to focus on that. Now, how do we do that? Well, obviously, we go badger people. No, we don't. We're not badger people. We're not trying to put people on a guilt trip to get them here. That's not what we're doing. But what we feel like we have to do as a church is to, to paint a picture of the value of small groups. How do we do that? You cannot just wait on Jimmy and Michael and your elders to do that. You have to do that. You have to be telling people the value of your small group. I'm connected to small It was uh, I, Wanda and Washi here. No, they're not here. Where? Okay, Washi had to leave. Okay. Uh, Wanda may not be doing well. Okay. 
Some of you know Washi White. He is a bit of a wild card. He's in my small group on Monday nights. Now, Washi, I, I, I called him. I was checking on Wanda, and, and he goes, he, and this was a little while back. He goes, I want to tell you something, Pastor. He said, I used to, when I met somebody, say, you know, tell them, I am Washi White. And I love to fish. He said, but you know what I tell them now? My name's Washi White. And I love my small group. That's an ambassador for what we say matters. And that's what you, we, we need you to do. If your small group is important to you, then share with other people. Teenagers, you can do this just as well as adults. Share with other people why your small group is important to you. You become an ambassador, but for what we say as a church is important. It's helpful. It matters. We need to start new groups. That's what happened this morning as we started a new group for for parents and we had a, a couple of grandparents in there as well but starting that new group and we're going to have to keep doing that why because we don't want to keep shoehorning them into your group oh i'm sure you'd love to have a huge crowd but you get up to a point where numbers actually become detrimental where you get so many in there that it kind of defeats the purpose of a small group where you're able to 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 learn together and communicate together and people can feel free to share without the intimidation of a larger group And so this is important. So we need to start new groups. Well, if we start new groups, we've got a little bit of a problem. We need new leaders. What does that mean? It means that some of you sitting here today may need to be asking yourself, is God calling me to step out of my comfort zone to become a facilitator of a small group? Maybe even a small group of people who are younger than me. 19-year-olds. 25-year-olds, 35-year-olds. I thought I'd left that in the past. That's, that's, that's long gone, but maybe it didn't. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do. And if we're going to start new groups and we're going to get new leaders for those groups, we're going to need to be creative in where we put them in this building. And we're also going to need to be creative as we look into the future is what does Grace Fellowship need to do in order to make sure we're accommodating those that we believe we're called to reach. When we started Grace Fellowship, uh, July 4, 2004, we started Grace Fellowship with a whatever-it-takes attitude. Now, 2004 to 2018... We've been here a few years. And that means over time, that energy, that enthusiasm, that passion, that whatever it takes attitude, that can, that can wane a little bit. It can, it can die down a little bit. And you kind of get in a maintenance mode. The kingdom of God can't afford people to be in maintenance mode.
we need to once again embrace of whatever it takes attitude. Which means we're going to have to at least do two things. One is get on our knees and pray that God will give us the wisdom and the courage to do what He's called us to do. Number two, roll up our sleeves and do what it takes. As I was planning this message, I came to this scripture over and over and over again. It's in Ephesians, not Colossians. But I want you to see this and hear this. It's it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. and, And here's what we read. For this reason, Paul writes, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who able, is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What is Paul saying? Paul says, we have a God who saves us. We have a God who fills us. And we have a God who equips us for his mission. And we have a God who's able. Wait a second. That would be underselling what he writes. Because in the Greek, it's like words, words piled up on top of one another to make a point. To do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or think, or as the NIV puts it, more than we could ask or imagine. More than we could even imagine. That is what God is able to do, and I truly believe that God wants to do more. And that he's inviting you and me to be a part of the more that he wants to do. This is not our plans. This is not our vision. Listen, our dreams, our visions, they're down here. But what Paul says is God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask. More than you could ever imagine. And when we can get on board with his mission and vision when we join him in his work then what god will do will absolutely blow your minds and blow the minds of people in our community but let me tell you something if we're willing to settle for a small vision if we're willing to settle for a small mission if we're willing to settle for what we think we can do apart from the enabling power of god then we're not blowing anybody's mind but we can maintain what we've got. Now I want to ask you a question. It's a simple question. Do we want to hold on to what we got? Or do we want to watch God blow minds? I want to tell you what I want to do. I want to see God blow minds. I want to see God absolutely blow the minds in this community. That people would look at Grace Fellowship and what happens through Grace Fellowship and say, that is absolutely incredible. I've never seen anything like that 
before in my life. Does that excite anybody? I mean, is that what we want? If so, what are you going to do about it? This is where it gets pointed. Because you may be going, wait a minute, that's a really good message for somebody younger than me. That's a really good message for somebody who's less busy than I am. That's a really good message for somebody else. Let me share with you as we wrap things up what James said. In James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24, and this, is, this comes from the message version, but I, I like this. He says this, Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but... Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. I don't want to be that. And I don't want you to be that. I want us to be more. And so I want to pray and ask God to do that very thing. Would you join me as we borrow these words of Paul from Ephesians 3 and make them into a prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant each of us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being. So that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, Lord, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know your love, the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God has more. If we're willing to seek it, if we're willing to sacrifice for it, if we're willing to work at it, strive for it in His strength, and if we're willing to say, Lord, make me a servant, make me a servant of what you're calling me to do, then I believe with all my heart that we'll see God do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. I believe in a God who will literally blow our minds if we'll just join Him in what He's called us to do. If you need a church home that believes that and graces that place, then we invite you to come. If you need a relationship with that kind of a God through faith in His Son Jesus, I invite you to come. And if you simply need to come and apologize to God for accepting way less than more, 
maybe you just need to come in repentance and begin again today. Whatever it is the Lord's calling you to do, I invite you to do it now as we sing this final song. Would you stand with us? Father, I pray that this would be a moment of decision in each of our hearts and lives. Whether we'll settle for maintenance, whether we'll settle for routine, whether we'll settle for a little in our dreams, or whether we're willing to embrace the more that you have in store for us. And we ask it in the powerful name of Jesus.